You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly, as always, uh, bringing you this show. Joined once more by my co-host, Doug Moore. And uh, we're looking forward to today's show. We're going to be covering... The NFC East, uh, talking about the Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins, and Giants. And we're going to be joined by Mike Clay of ESPN. So this is one that uh, I'm very excited about to get Mike on the show. Doug, excited for this one? Oh, extremely, extremely. Mike's one of the best out there. And uh, he's a humbling story that uh, guys that start at the bottom make their way to having careers in fantasy like him. And I can only hope that to have uh, a type of success. So to have him on will be exciting. And I, I know he's uh, he's an NFC East guru as an Eagles <laughs> fan so this will be even better yeah and uh, obviously this is the first time I, th- I think it's the first time doug we've had two shows in one week no we've done no, it before believe it or not it. it's just fun uh when you know time flies when you're having fun and i guess that's what it is here but i think we did a couple <laughs> weeks ago but uh you know bring it on i think you're right the week we had scott fish on i think we banged out to that week but uh it's always fun talking fantasy and there's you know lots of stuff to talk about obviously training camps are opening up uh, we're seeing some guys going to pop list and so on we might talk a little bit about that later on in the show but it, uh, it is a fascinating time of the year so we're trying to get through as many divisions for you from a fantasy football perspective obviously we had uh rotopat on earlier in the week patrick doherty of roto world if you haven't heard that one yet uh, do go back and listen to it great stuff with him as well as we ran through the nfc west and uh, it was lots of lots of good stuff there from pat so do check that out obviously if you're coming into the show maybe it's your first time listening to it coming in through uh, a link maybe that mike shared or maybe pat shared earlier in the week do give the show uh, a subscription on itunes it is free obviously get it each and every time it goes live get it instantly to your device and we're available on itunes stitcher tune in if you're looking for all the ways to listen to the show just go to our overtimeireland.com pay, uh, website and you'll be able to find all the ways on there get all the different rss feeds and so on and uh, i've been tweeting it out over the the last uh, kind of 24 hours on our uh, on our Overtime Ireland Twitter handle that is at Overtime Ireland uh, we have a link up with NFL Euroshop they're giving us 10% off for all items on their store so any order you put in with them just put in the code OTI10 at checkout and they will give you 10% off which uh, is absolutely fantastic if you're heading into the season looking to get yourself an NFL jersey maybe a, a hoodie or something like that there maybe you're trying to get a, a birthday present for a, a brother or family member or husband or wife or whatever go there put in that code oti10 at checkout save yourself some uh, cash uh, and go get yourself a deal on that that is nfl shop europe so doug uh, with all the, the promotional work out of the way i guess we'll get straight into talking nfc east with mike clay and then uh, we'll be back on the other side uh, to give our thoughts and maybe some more of the teams and uh, some of the news of the last couple of days Hi, I'm Chris Harris of the Harris Football Podcast, and you are listening to Overtime Ireland. Joined now on the podcast by Mike Clay. A lot of you'll know from his work on ESPN, formerly with Pro Football Focus. He's with Sirius XM Fantasy as well. So he is really uh, all over the place at the moment, getting great fantasy football content out there. Uh, a lot of shows like to talk about the ADOT. Well, Mike is uh, the inventor of that, the average depth of target. But it is, uh, it's a great pleasure to have him aboard the show now. Thanks for uh, coming aboard, Mike. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me on. It's uh, you know, he's good to mix it up. We're talking about the NFC a little bit here, which is great. I grew up an Eagles fan, so uh, obviously I know that uh, that's, <laughs> that side of the league, if you will, a little bit. 
better than most. Yeah, it's going to be fun talking because uh, we have broke down, down some of these teams over the offseason, but not the whole division as a whole. And you mentioned the Eagles. We've talked about certain players, but not the whole team as a whole. And uh, we're going to start off, though, with the New York Giants. And obviously, everyone knows about Odell Beckham, what, how, what a good player he is. But there's a lot of different pieces in this uh, Giants offense that maybe have been slightly overlooked this season. There's maybe some of them that have been overvalued. So Ben McAdoo has gone from the offensive coordinator now to the head coach. And with Tom Coughlin out, with I, I was very impressed with what McAdoo done. He's obviously come over from the Green Bay Packers a couple of off seasons ago, and working with Eli Manning, they've you know a lot more short passes to the backfield, a lot more crossing routes, and so on and so forth. But with what uh, McAdoo brings to the table, are you expecting uh, some nice uh, improvements from this Giants uh, offense again as they step forward? And what I believe is year two or year three now of him as offensive coordinator slash head coach. Um, I don't. I don't know necessarily that they take a giant, uh, giant step forward. Maybe a little bit better than last year. But in terms of scoring, they've already been producing. So yeah. I don't know necessarily that we need them to take a big step forward in that department. Um, on, by the same token, I mean you look at what Ben McAdoo's done for Eli Manning um, over the past twelve years. In his twelve years in the league, he's had four top ten fantasy seasons. Well, two of them have come the last two years with yeah. Ben McAdoo. So that's that kind of hard to believe, but but it's true. Ben McAdoo has really done wonders for him uh, as a fantasy quarterback. And then you look at uh, uh, Sterling Shepard, of course, the, the big addition in the off season. This is a guy that's you know maybe a little undersized at five ten, one ninety four, but um, he's tough. You know, he reminds me of of uh, kind of. Steve Smith in that regard he might be a little undersized but he's a tough guy not the fastest in the world but he gets it done a great route runner so uh, a big fan of Shepard I think he is a nice addition uh, to the lineup for sure yeah obviously he's coming this offseason and we all know Odell Beckham came in and missed the first four weeks of his rookie season and tore things up but I've said on the show a number of times over the last couple of weeks people may be expecting a little bit too much of rookies coming in but Shepard is one of those guys who has fallen into a very very nice situation because Odell Beckham's going to be on the opposite side of the field to him he's going to obviously only have single coverage due to that and then I think that he's somebody that may, out of this rookie class, have a, a big impact this year. And obviously, we know Victor Cruz is still with the team, but it's very, very hard to see him having a significant impact. Do you think Shepard uh, stands to be a good value at where he's going at the moment in fantasy drafts as a, as a wide receiver, maybe a wide receiver three or four, that kind of range? Yeah, I mean, I, I like him as in the flex for sure. I think he's a, fr- uh, a fringe flex guy this yeah. year. Uh, you know, something to think about this Giants offense. They've ranked number two in the NFL each of the past two years in three wide sets when passing. So uh, as soon as Shepard was drafted, I knew immediately he was going to be an every down player. Uh, he'll be out there when they're throwing the ball. He's going to be on the field. And it doesn't even matter if Victor Cruz is ready to roll. I mean, they're, they're going to have three guys out there at all times. And he's a massive up- upgrade Shepard is over uh, Dwayne, what Dwayne Harris provided last year, Ruben yeah. Randall provided. And frankly, at this point in, in their respective careers, he's probably better than Cruz. So, uh, Mike, just going on, and, and, and I don't want to talk too much about Sterling Shepard because I will I will go on a, <laughs> a tangent about him and, and, and uh, Colm knows this. Mine's a, sort of a two-parter. We know that the wide receiver situation, it's a little more clear, but we're not sure what to make of this uh, running back situation and tight end situation. We have the Giants. They have arguably five or six running backs. Uh, you can go down the list. Jennings, uh, Bobby Rainey, Shane Vereen, uh, Orleans Darkwa, uh, Paul Perkins, and Andre Williams. I think I named them all, actually. <laughs> um, it's just a mess of a situation. And then the same thing almost a tight end. Um, we saw Will Ty step up at the end of the year last year, but um, Larry Janelle will be back after having a neck injury. And they also drafted Jarrell Adams, who, you know, even in a, in a weak tight end class, he was still, I think, a top five tight end taken. 
How would you dissect it? Who do you think are the guys to look out for in this jumbled sort of running back and tight end core? Yeah, I think uh, Rashad Jennings kind of undervalued right now. He's a guy certainly I'm keeping an eye on in, you know, around round nine or ten. Uh, they finally, and, and again, Ben McAdoo's the head coach now, but he was in control of this offense over the past two years. Well, you look at the last couple weeks of the season, he was fantasy's number three running back. He averaged yep. uh, a big uptick in, in snaps for sure. He got a lot of carries, uh, just under 20 per game, and, and again, only two two running backs and more fantasy points. So uh, he's the guy I'd want there. I think Paul Perkins is the best handcuff if you're looking to take a flyer late. Uh, he's really interesting. I don't, I don't know that he's going to push Jennings per se until maybe late in the season, but uh, I think he's the cuff there. Shane Vereen, you know, they like him as a pass catcher, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to do much as a rusher. I mean, keep in mind, he, he played 25 snaps a game last year. 21 of those were pass routes, so obviously more of a, a receiver than, than a running back. And then a tight end, you know, this one's tough. I mean, yes, I, I talked to Dan Graziano not long ago, and uh, actually, that it, I guess it was a long ago. It was in May, and he thought at that point Larry Donnell uh, would would keep the edge for that starting job, but lately it seems more and more like Will Ty has the early edge. So uh, those guys are very similar either way. You know, they're good receivers. They're not very good blockers. Uh, I would give the edge to Ty right now. We'll see what happens, but definitely in the tight end to a tight end to sleeper, we'll say, uh, if he nails down that job. And you're, I, I think Jarrell Adams is a really interesting player. He was a top five uh, tight end on my board coming in this year. And uh, Matt Lacoste, too, he's generating some hype. So they do have a couple options there at that position. But if I was, you know, betting, I, you know, I'm going with the, the consensus, if you will, with Will Ty. Yeah, it's interesting the way that uh, Jennings finished the season last year. If they keep, you know, that sort of a, you know, heavy run game going. But I, I don't see that far the outlook for the season with the way I expect this Giants team to be going. But he is going in the eighth round of 12 team leagues in standard format. So I think there's definitely a value to be had there with him. And then that tight end situation, it's hard to uh, get all too excited. It's more probably a streaming option rather than anything else I'd imagine heading into the season. Moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, obviously new off, or new head coach there with uh, Peterson coming in from the Chiefs. It's really, you know, there's a lot of people down on this offense after what happened last year with Chip Kelly, but he's gone now. But can you see this turning into a very uh, kind of Chiefs similar offense with, you know, trying to get the running backs involved a lot uh, and a similar situation to what they do in Kansas City? Oh, yeah, it's going to be a lot different than what we saw from Philadelphia. Chip was very heavy. Chip Kelly, of course, was very heavy on three wide sets. They moved yep. very quickly. Uh, we've seen the opposite from Kansas City. You're going to see the fullback injected back into the Eagles offense. You're going to see a lot of two tight end sets, Zach Ertz, Brent Selleck. You'll see Trey Burton out there. You'll see Chris Pentale, the, the guy that's going to be a fullback and a tight end, an H-back. You know, you're going to see guys like that. Uh, out in the field, kind of how you saw Anthony Sherman out there and James O'Shaughnessy and Demetrius Harris with with Travis Kelsey in uh, in Kansas City. So I definitely expect that. Uh, all word from camp uh, uh, indicates that as well. And that means more two wide sets, and that obviously has an impact on guys like Nelson Aguilar if he can't nail down that number two job, or Reuben Randall, uh, yeah. or Josh Huff. And also means you might see Jordan Matthews play out in, on the perimeter more often than he has over the past two years when he's been almost exclusively in the slot. And frankly, I, you know, I have concerns with him about how efficient he'll be on the perimeter. Uh, we saw that some, we saw last year in green Bay when Jordy Nelson was out, those receivers had struggled or struggled to get open. They just couldn't separate. And uh, that really cost Aaron Rodgers and cost that whole offense as a whole. So uh, Jordan Matthews, can he do that on the outside? He's take, he's, he's been up against safeties, linebackers, nickel corners, and he's been okay but he hasn't been dominant like you would expect from uh, from a guy uh, of top-end caliber playing in the slot. So it's going to be really interesting to watch uh, how he takes a step forward here in year three. 
So, I mean, I, I'd love to talk more about how I don't like Jordan Matthews this year, but I got I to move on to the other uh, positions with them. Um, I, I want to talk about the tight ends. Obviously, the running backs is definitely a hot topic, but the tight ends. Every year we say that uh, Zach Ertz is going to break out. Every year we say he's going to finally prove to be a top uh, tight end in fantasy. And he, he does pretty well, but he's he's never been a top flight guy, and he's been rather inconsistent, I guess you could say. We saw him get a big contract extension over the offseason. Um, we saw how uh, how Travis Kelsey in, in Kansas City was rather underused, I guess you could say, at times. Now, granted, uh, you know, Doug Pearson wasn't calling the plays, but now he's the main guy there. Are you worried at all about Zach Ertz not being able to do much, or, or do you think this is finally, quote-unquote, the year after, uh, after getting that big contract in the offseason? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, Kelsey and Ertz actually had very similar stats last year. Kelsey had 72 catches, Ertz at 75. Kelsey had 875 yards, Ertz at 853. The difference really in terms of fantasy production was touchdowns. Kelsey had five last year and Ertz only at two. And one of my favorite stats to look at is end zone targets or uh, an extension of that OTD, which is a, a stat I created. And just really, uh, in a nutshell, it, it, it grades players' scoring opportunity. And Ertz uh, had seven end zone targets last year. That was ninth most at among tight ends, but he only caught one, just had some pretty brutal luck. And if you watch the Eagles, like, of course I do, uh, you know, you saw it. He just had some bad luck. There was one going right to him. He had it for an easy touchdown. And Josh Norman, who was the breakout player at corner last year, just dives out of nowhere and tips it away. I mean, that was the kind of uh, luck Ertz had last year. So I think it's kind of a fluke, uh, but we've seen Kelsey uh, with one of the largest target shares at tight end in the NFL over the past couple of seasons. I think that uh, Ertz will pick up kind of where he left off in Peterson's offense and be right around a 20 21 percent target share and that's that's significant it's it's slightly more than he had last year but about the same and with some touchdown regression uh we're talking about uh, a mid-pack tight end one so i think he's frankly i think he's a safe uh, a safe option because he's going to be on the field a lot he's also a good run blocker which nobody really talks about yeah he really improved run blocking over the last two seasons and you know we just talked about kelsey there kelsey's going in the sixth round uh Ertz is going around the 10th round so I think there is definitely a value there and it, it's strange that when we talk about when Chip Kelly was there last year and you mentioned Jordan Matthews a lot of his targets came through the amount of volume was being run through the offense we're going to see less volume probably maybe even around 100 snaps less over the season for the the whole offense but then you're looking at the tight end position and you mentioned the kind of 20 21 percent target share there for uh Kelsey and you've probably seen the same for Ertz so while the offensive volume is probably going to drop down this year Ertz's volume might actually increase so I think he definitely could be a player there off value obviously you mentioned you're you're watching a lot of the Eagles being a fan any other parts of the Eagles offense or that that you're quite interested to see how it happened or runs out obviously Ryan Matthews Wendell Smallwood uh, and the backfield or even Darn Sproles is still hanging around there anything else that interests you and obviously the quarterback situation is kind of just going to be bi-week felons more than anything else yeah well i mean i I think you covered it there uh i I mean i'll add i think ryan matthews is uh underrated as a talent yeah so i like him a lot out of the gate i I think you know once week one rankings roll around he'll be a a decent rb2 option i I think the question really is if he's going to hold up if he can stay healthy for a full season but uh you know if he misses some time wendell smallwood is is definitely the handcuff there and and makes for a nice late round flyer definitely a guy uh, to look at because they don't really have anything else i mean darren sproles is 33 and he's he's never going to be more than a scat back a passing down back and Kenjin Barner really not uh, too much of a threat I mean maybe a sleeper of Smallwood really struggles uh, but really uh, it's Matthews and then and then Smallwood in the pecking order and then you mentioned it, a quarterback I mean not not much to get excited about Bradford he's basically uh, and he's ba- he basically played like Alex Smith last year in terms of, <laughs> of 
how he throw, how he plays, the, how he manages the game. Yeah. Very conservative. So that's in, in that regard, he's a nice fit for the offense. And then eventually, you would expect uh, Carson Wentz to make a few starts. I don't think Philly's going to be very good this year, unfortunately. So uh, I would expect Wentz to make a few starts down the stretch. Yeah, moving on to the Washington Redskins now. Last season, Kirk Cousins had a major breakout kind of in the second half of the season. Very, very strong finish to the year. Won a lot of people fantasy championships. Somebody I'm not, as an NFL player, I'm not very high on, but as a fantasy football player, uh, quite, quite, quite good. Uh, definitely at the end of last season. Running back situations kind of all up in the air there with Matt Jones, Chris Thompson, Keith Marshall coming in as a rookie. The wide receivers, you know, there's a lot of interesting pieces there. Just trying to decipher which way you would want to go at wide receiver. And then obviously we all know about Jordan Reed at tight end. What uh, really this season, if you're going through the whole team, has you excited about the Washington Redskins? Yeah, really quick on tight end. I don't think many people realize that Vernon Davis signed with the Redskins yes. in the offseason. So if he makes that team, uh, we might see a couple two tight end sets. That would be really interesting, especially if Davis has kind of a resurgence. But uh, the really the the problem there, and, and you know maybe they do that some at the goal line, but really the problem with getting him on the field is that they have a ton of wide receiver depth. They have Jackson, they have Garcon. Uh, they're going to be the perimeter wide receivers in this offense. And Jamison Crowder, they love the second year uh, guy out of Duke. So he's he's very small, but he's quick. And in the, in, they already said he's staying in the slot. He is their slot guy. It's not going to be they're not going to be putting Jackson in the slot and Garcon. They'll do that a little bit. But, uh, you know, Crowder is the slot guy. And that means Josh Stocks and the rookie uh, kind of a red shirt year. He'll be mixed in here and there. Maybe play some down the stretch, especially if they fall out of out of the playoff mix or if Jackson or Garcon miss time, you know, all common sense there. But yeah. Um, if I had to pick, I mean, you know, Jackson certainly is the target here, I think, he is, is especially in non-PPR leagues. Uh, the second guy I'd want uh, would be Doxson. I, you know, I think that he's an injury away from wide receiver two territory, whereas Garcon, I, just no ceiling. You know, he's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. He His uh, target total as a whole is going to dip. So yeah. uh, for me, it's Jackson, then Doxson, and then probably Car- Garcon, and then Crowder. So um, the one guy that I – do not like more than anybody else in fantasy football this year, arguably, is Matt Jones. Um, and and, and I, I want to I want to see I, I want to get your take on it because we've seen in years past where running backs by default have gotten hype around them because maybe a running back left or you know someone retired. So when I speak about that, guys like Monte Ball, Bishop Sankey, for example, and they they faltered really, uh, or they just never even lived up to expectations. We see Matt Jones coming into the season uh, as a sophomore, Alfred Morris left. He is, you know, hyped as a running back two sort of player, top 20, top 22 maybe. Um, I can't buy it. I don't buy it. He finished with 3.4 yards per carry last year and five fumbles on, I believe, 163 touches last year. And this offense seems to be going more pass heavy. Please reassure me that Matt Jones is being overhyped and he's not going to produce that type of value this year. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing you could say about Jones is there's a little bit of an unknown because he's only entering his his second year. And again, like you said, he has almost no competition for that number one job. And that's why I have him ranked ahead of another guy who fits the same. You know, I could throw these guys together. Jeremy Lankford, he he kind of fits ahead of him just because he has less competition uh, for snaps. But same kind of thing. And again, I'll group them together. They were both bad yards per carry, bad against base defenses, bad uh, breaking tackles, bad in elusive departments, bad after contact, bad blocking, bad receiving. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Pretty much these guys struggled in every aspect as rookies, especially Langford, but Jones was in some of these rate stats was even worse. So, uh, you know, I've done, I've done some digging 
on some of these stats. And I have an article coming out at, at ESPN, I think next week, that looks at, you know, uh, if, if some of these stats are, you can actually learn something from rookie seasons. And what I've, I've, what that article will show is that guys that have really bad numbers in these departments, like yards after contact and, and yards per carry, they tend to stay in that area. They don't have great fantasy careers. They, they rarely, you know, Ronnie Hillman is like one exception. Uh, and he managed a top 20 fantasy season. He's like the ultimate exception. And even he was horrible last year when he pulled that off. It was, it was really just volume in that Denver offense. So yeah, I'm extremely pessimistic about these two guys, including Jones. And uh, yeah, you, you won't see either one of them on my roster this year. Yeah. And we kind of all hinted towards Deshaun Jackson being the guy to own at the wide receiver position in this offense. We mentioned earlier Rashid Jennings as well for the New York Giants. Depends if people go uh, zero wide receiver, zero running back early in the draft this year. But both those guys seem to be kind of going off uh, back to back kind of at the start of that eighth round. So depending which way you go, they could be two value targets there as you head towards the mid to late rounds of the draft. Just last question while we finish up on the Washington Redskins. Kirk Cousins, I mentioned, had a phenomenal end to the season last year. And he's somebody who uh, I don't tend to own in any leagues. And this year, again, I'm, I think like the Washington Redskins putting him on the franchise tag, I think there's a good chance we see regression from him. There was a lot of passes last year that could easily be entered interceptions that he got away with but is he somebody this year you think can uh, produce again at the numbers that he did I, I can't see him getting near the numbers he did last year but possibly somewhere in that range finishing as a top 10 quarterback yeah, I mean, uh, I think he'll have maybe a little bit of regression to the mean, but I mean, he had a, uh, a great completion percentage. He wasn't off target very often, uh, you know, and, and his success last year wasn't really just over a small sample. It was 10 games, the last 10 games, 23 touchdowns and three interceptions. Yeah. So he did string a nice uh, streak together. And, you know, we just mentioned the running back position being a problem area and, and all the weapons they have in the receiving game. They moved to a, a more balanced offense down the stretch, ended up passing quite a bit. And I think this is, is going to be a team that could potentially be top five in pass attempts this year. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm buying on him. You know, even if you think he's a below average talent, I think the volume's going to be there. Kind of kind of think like Matthew Stafford light, you know, kind of in that department where he's just going to have to throw it so much and have the weapons. He may not have Calvin Johnson, but he does have a combination uh you know of of high-end producer so uh yeah i think he is uh i think he's a fringe running or excuse me quarterback one and frankly i think he's inside that top 12 yeah he's somebody that i'm very interested to see how he develops this season but uh with that mike we're gonna let you head on off and uh go get some dinner and of course uh, all the listeners can follow mike on twitter at mike clay nfl so um with that mike uh, thanks for jumping aboard the show yeah, and I, I know we got to only three of the four teams in East, but I appreciate you not making me talk about the Cowboys. I said I'm an Eagles fan, so if there was one team uh, not to make me talk about, why not Dallas? Yeah, obviously I uh, didn't want to didn't want to put that on you, and we know that Doug here <laughs> on the other side of the line can talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, so we'll finish them up just after this short break. Hi, this is Ross Tucker, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. So that was Mike Clay, and as I mentioned there, he's on Twitter, at MikeClayNFL. I'd imagine if you're listening to our show, you should definitely be already following him on Twitter. Phenomenal uh, you know, insight and information that he can put out there in his tweets. I mentioned as well, the inventor of the dot. he mentioned, I can't actually remember what stat he mentioned, that another one he created, he has some phenomenal stuff. And when you can say, it's a nice thing, Doug, when you can say, yeah, I created that stat, quite a nice thing to say. <laughs> Yeah, hey, that's uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm that's nothing to uh to bat your eyelashes at. So um, I don't even know what that's a saying. But, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, 
Um, Doug's got eyeshadow yeah, on for those who can't see. He's got his eyes uh, nice. That's nice. why we only do audio, so you guys can't see what I do outside of work. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's uh, it's pretty humbling, I think, when uh, you could say you created a uh, a stat or a metric that is is commonly used in in, um, in in an industry like fantasy football constantly. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So uh, obviously, when we were running through, we were kind of trying to fit in all the stuff with Mike into a kind of segment, and we didn't quite get to uh, the Dallas Cowboys with me and Doug are going to run through that but we also didn't get to Jordan Reed and I didn't want to really ask Mike about Jordan Reed because I think we all kind of know what Jordan Reed is at this point he had a huge breakout year last year uh, phenomenal finish this season we did talk about Kirk Cousins I do think a lot of Kirk Cousins value is probably tied to Jordan Reed because of his value in the red zone but uh, Doug I'm going to give you the floor and uh, let me hear your thoughts on Jordan Reed for the, the 2016 season. Yeah, so I mean, Jordan Reed had this this great uh, breakout season, I guess you could say, yep. last year. Um, you know, he you know did really well. I don't think it's ever been an issue of of talent. It's more so of health. Uh, he's consistently, unfortunately, been unhealthy. Not unhealthy, but always injured. He he deals with a lot of uh, concussions and, and lower body injuries like hamstrings or or ankles, and and that's just caused him to miss a whole lot of games. Um, but last year, he actually did really really well. Um, we saw him break out, um, and, and looking at it, he did play 14 games, so it's actually not bad for a Jordan Reed type season. Yeah. Uh, he finished second in um, in in fantasy in terms of uh, points per game on average for tight ends behind uh, Rob Gronkowski. So that's that's definitely something to uh, not sneeze at. That's a saying I know. Um, <laughs> but just going through it, so I mean, in, in the first you know in the first three years of his career, he's missed uh, seven five and two so he's actually missed uh 14 games over the past three seasons so that's what i'm going back to a little bit is, is his health and i think that's the one thing that holds him back he actually has a decent quarterback situation now um and again he's never been um you know low on talent it's more so can he stay healthy uh and can he you know be able to keep on the field really and we saw that he played his most games in his nfl career out of three years uh with 14 87 receptions 114 targets uh 952 yards uh 11 touchdowns he said career highs along the board yeah. and i think that's what we can expect from him even with a loaded wide receiver core that we talked about with mike uh with the redskins so i think the only thing holding him back is health because there's not going to be an issue of getting the ball enough he's going to see the ball plenty uh and it's not going to be an issue of talent he's extremely talented one of the best, if not, you know, maybe even contending for the best receiving tight end in football. So I think he has the potential to have a top five season. He's going to be drafted like a top five tight end. But if you do that, I think you have to do one of two things, or if not both. One, you have to temper expectations. He's going to put up stats when he's on the field. But the thing is, can he stay on the field consistently? And then the other thing being, if you're going to draft him, especially with that injury risk, uh, and I think we could say injury risk, I think it's fair to say, um, Make sure you grab a solid tight end to a backup tight end that you can, or even a sleeper one that could produce and not many people are thinking about. So someone like Will Ty we talked about, yeah. uh, someone like Zach Miller, um, you know, someone like Jason Witten even who we'll talk about. I know. Yeah. Um, but just make sure that you do that. I'm not saying that I wouldn't spend a draft pick on him personally. I wouldn't. I would go after tight ends late. I do that with quarterbacks and tight ends. But uh, he he can definitely put up numbers. Uh, I'm just not 100% sold that he can stay healthy consistently, and I think we need to see more out of that before we we can um, you know see that confidently. Yeah, they were going to be my two things about you know kind of 
tempering your expectations. It's unlikely to see him hit what he did last year. And then, of course, the injury situation, you're going to have to take another uh, tight end later in the draft. I'm somebody as well who usually goes tight end later. But he is somebody who, you know, I think just the, the talent is clear to be seen. He's kind of nearly on blockable when you're looking at what he can do in the red zone at times last year they get mismatches on him too he's just he's a phenomenal talent and when you, you know we're talking about injury we're talking really about concussions and if you're looking at redraft i think the the risk is a lot less if you're looking at long-term uh, health and you're looking at dynasty leagues he's somebody that although the talent is huge i think it's uh, a real concern long term but i just want to ask you this doug he's uh, obviously going off you mentioned as drafting him as a top five tight end he's going off as tight end number two but if you look at rob gronkowski go in the back of that uh, first round and early second round in uh, 12 team leagues then if you're looking at jordan reed he's going 43rd overall he's going towards the end of the fourth round out of those two guys i i think the there's very obviously rob gronkowski is gronk he is the man at the tight end position but i think when you're looking at that value a kind of almost three round difference in value i think you know, Jordan Reed maybe there is uh, somebody that could put Gronk numbers up yet again. Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's impossible to see him put up numbers like this again. Uh, and these are terrific stats for a tight end who, you know, you don't see a lot of tight ends catch 80 catch uh, 80 passes, get 1,000 yards or close to it, and score 10-plus touchdowns. So it's a really, really cool feat to see him accomplish. And I think talent-wise he'll be able to do it for a long time uh, considering, you know, Hopefully he'll have a decent quarterback situation. Um, I thought about this in my head, and I want to make sure I talked about it because um, I think this is really clever, and it probably has been taken by somebody else. But um, I wanted to say it. I think he. I think what makes him so valuable is he's too fast for being a tight end, and I think he's also too big to be a wide receiver. So he's almost like a hybrid, yeah. where he just fits into that mold perfectly. Um, where he, he will always be open. He's a mismatch against players, both cornerbacks and uh, because of his size, and then also linebackers and safeties because of his size. So that's what makes him so dangerous, only one component at least. But um, I'm not so sure, and again, this goes back to just my own thing. I'm going to say door number three, neither, um, <laughs> because I'm not a fan of drafting tight ends early. Um, and I'm, I'm a Patriots fan. I won't draft Gronk in the first, second round. It just It's something I can't put myself towards um doing especially with how volatile the tight end position is we see guys break out every year uh we saw tyler eifert break out last year delaney walker break gary barnage <laughs> gary barnage breakout uh zach miller at the end of the season yeah. will tie at the end of the season it's such a volatile position that anything can happen you're probably get, you're you're a top five tight end i promise you will most likely be on the waiver wire week one but at the end of the season he'll be a top five tight end and owned everywhere it's yeah. just how it is usually um, so I'm not so sure I would spend a top four round pick on him. Uh, I'm looking at my fancy league and in redraft leagues, he's going actually in the top 40. He's actually his average, uh, his ADP is 39th uh, overall. So that's actually in the beginning of the fourth round. So I, I'm really just in general not comfortable spending a fourth round pick. But that's more so just because of me and how I draft. I don't think that's such a bad value. But again, you got to temper expectations, and you also got to make sure you have a solid number two in there. But I think in general, that's a pretty good value for him considering what he did last year. Yeah, and as, as you mentioned there, I, I can't see him being on any of my teams. Just as somebody, uh, I, I don't really take tight ends or quarterbacks early at any point, and uh, we'll see unless he starts to uh, slide down a little bit. On to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we obviously turned that into the, the Jordan Reed show, but on to the Dallas Cowboys, we have Tony Romo, quarterback, and he's somebody who I think is going uh, very, very much later off the board than he should be. He's kind of, I got him in the sky 
Scott Fishbowl actually ended up, uh, he was the 20th quarterback off the board. I, I do. The health seems to be the big concern with Tony Romo, and uh, we'll get into him first, Doug. Your thoughts, I, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I'm definitely, you know, in the, in the opinion that if you look at him over his career, uh, especially over the last six or seven years, every season that he's been healthy, he's been a top 10 quarterback. And if you're getting a quarterback like that, then I know we're concerned about the shoulder or the, the collarbone. But I, I just can't see him coming in. And if he plays 16 games this season, I can't see him finishing outside the top 10. So you're you're getting, you know, 10 spots ahead of his ADP. Is he somebody you're targeting or are you one of the, the skeptics afraid of the, the injury situation? Um. No, I'm not so concerned uh, with him. Now, granted, people will have concerns about the collarbone, and he's had broke it, I think, twice last season. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm looking at my fantasy league, their redraft stats, um, and he's being picked as the 20th quarterback overall, um, like you said. So he's actually being picked in the top of the 13th round, it looks like, 124th overall. So it looks like in 12-team leagues, about the top of the 13th. Um, he's going to he's going to end up in so many of my teams this year. <laughs> yeah, no, and I I don't blame you. I would definitely. Um, I just find that in 12 team leagues, some people don't even draft two quarterbacks. So yeah. you're going to find it that he may even go undrafted in 12 team leagues. At least if you were drafting right now, that that could change. But I think the biggest thing is, and, and this always befuddles me, and we've seen it happen before, but maybe even more so this year. Besides Des Bryant. Who is a guy that you are 100% confident in that can make Romo put up good stats? Because obviously we have Jason Witten. He's Mr. Dependable. He's been in the league, I think, 15, 14 years now. But he's a dad runner now. To to quote uh, the fantasy football jargon, he's a dad runner. He's sure hands, but he's not going to, you know, be a guy that's going to dominate on the field. He's going to be a guy that is always going to be a a stop, not a stopgap, but a... um, what, what's the, the term, you know, where, you know, he's a safety valve. That's what it is. Yeah. He's a safety valve where, where um, you All know, the science are coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he'll be, um, you know, someone dependable. But besides Des Bryant, they don't have any wide receiver depth. We saw that last year when Des Bryant went down with an injury. And they did nothing to address the situation in the offseason, either by draft or free agency, which I believe is crazy because it was wildly exposed Um when Des Bryant went down with injury. So if you look at that, and then you think about the other guys, so the running backs, for example, um, you know, you have Darren McFadden who caught 40 passes last year. Right now he's on pace to, to start, not start, but be healthy and ready for, for week one, is probably the number two running back on this team. Um, Alfred Morris not going to get much out of. Lance Dunbar, he was doing really well last year, but he may start on the PUP list, uh, the PUP list as they call it, um, to start the season considering how late he tours ACL and, and just how he's come back so far. Um, and then Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's, I think he's a wild card because I think he showed that he's at least de- not dependable, but he can hold his own on third down, whether it's in pass protection or catching the ball in the backfield. But he's not some, he, he's not the next, uh, you know, I don't even know who you could call him, but he's not going to be like a Jamal Charles right away, at least where he's going to be dependable in both the run and the pass game as efficiently as, as someone like Charles is. So that's a big thing to worry about, but I guess just to summarize, um, I would say that, um, you know, in general, if Tony Romo is going 20th overall and being drafted behind guys like Matt Ryan, um, yeah, I, I think he's providing a lot of value. But again, if he was being picked like this in late August, he may go undrafted in 12-team in leagues to start at least. Yeah. 
It's definitely it's somebody that I'll be targeting. I know you mentioned that there's nothing really outside of Des Bryant, but when you have Des Bryant and if he stays healthy, you're looking at you know that there's you know twelve to thirteen hundred yards getting funneled through him, probably around the ten touchdown range. Then you know Jason Witten, as you mentioned, is a dad runner, but he's still probably going to catch. If we take it down very very low, I think he's still going to catch sixty passes. You know, yeah, sixty prob- sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. you know, probably six hundred yards through that, probably six touchdowns. He's not somebody that I'm targeting at tight end, but when you start to break it down to even his lowest career levels, he's still probably going to do that. If you look at Tony Romo uh, throughout his career, you know, I mentioned the last ten years where he's been the Cowboys quarterback for the last ten years uh, as a starter, but when he came in. Uh, He's played at least 15 games in seven out of the 10 seasons. A lot of people talk about him as if he, he's always injured, but he's had a few big injuries. But I, I still see him coming in, and uh, if he plays the whole season with Des Bryant, the, the offense is going to run through Des, and obviously we have Ezekiel Elliott in there too. But I still think that you know he's a lock for getting close to that. Probably 32 to 3,500 yards is probably his floor for Romo, and then I think we'll see him probably get in around the... 25 to 27 kind of touchdown range as a floor as well so i think if you're looking at that and you're going to quarterback 20 i think there's a lot worse things you can do if you're looking to go late quarterback as which i tend to do you did uh, you know if you're looking terence williams as well isn't a, isn't a player that i i find hugely exciting but he's a player who as a you know a periphery player will pick up yards for you make some catches and fill in them holes that you're looking for you know a couple of touchdowns in the season and then cole beasley you know, out of the slots, nothing exciting again, but he's going to, you know, you need those players to help go and it's all going to go through Des Bryant. There's no doubt about that. So out of the other players, I've mentioned them, you've mentioned them. Uh, Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott, we know what we're getting there. You're going to have to take him uh, in the first round, likely maybe early second uh, at the running back position. Anyone else outside of maybe, you know, Des, Tony or Ezekiel Elliott, who you'd be targeting in this uh, offense? Uh, I don't. I don't have to, right? No, I, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's almost. I think it's you know a punishment at this point. Um, yeah, you know, there, 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 there's a couple guys, and, I, and I'll be honest. Like I said, I think Lance Dunbar was doing terrific yeah. last year before he tore his ACL. Uh, the problem is, is that he may I think not. The injury is worse than expected uh, at the time. Yeah, that's yeah. I think he did more than his ACL. Yeah. That's part of the issue. And then uh, Darren McFadden, he could be a recipient. He could have a da- a Lance Dunbar type role yep. in this offense. But he doesn't drop uh, his phone again. Break his right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's 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 uh, you know, and maybe he should you know not lean with his shoulder, or not his shoulder, <laughs> his elbow, or or whatever the hell he did. Yeah. Um. But no, I think he could fit into that that um. Lance Dunbar type role potentially because um, you know we did see him catch a lot of passes out of the backfield when he took over um, and he can run he can still run in the he, he did really well last year um, but you know I, I just there's not a guy on this team and, and like I said there might only be two or three guys out of a potential four uh, that being Romo uh, Elliot, Dez, and, and uh, Witten. I, yeah. I know that Dez and Elliot are sure to be drafted, but guys like Witten and Romo, again, might not be drafted. Um, and maybe just on the waiver wire as a, a bye week filler, um, just because of the depth. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't see any way else besides those four that are even fancy relevant right now. At least. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's it is very. If you look at the Cowboys roster in general, if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be quite concerned. There's just both sides of the ball. There's not a lot of depth. You do have a couple of those, you know, top, you know, you're after to get in a fourth overall pick in Ezekiel Elliott. You have Des Bryant, but Des has had a lot of injuries uh, in his time in the league uh, in recent years as well. Obviously missed most of the last season. Romo is not getting any younger. He's 36 years old. But, you know, if you're looking at an evaluation uh, side of the roster in general, it just isn't 
all that exciting in my opinion no. and i think people probably aren't as aware of the lack of depth in this team overall because you know the cowboys always kind of get that bit of a free pass jerry jones is always in the media the cowboys are always looked at as america's team and i think the the team is really in a, a troubling spot after maybe two or three more years down the line uh, you know you're going to be left with a good offensive line and ezekiel elliott and we'll see what else they have uh, at that moment in time but uh, anything else out of the um, nfc east that interests you or do you think we've uh, covered the majority of it there with uh, between ourselves and mike uh, let's see. I, I talked about how much I love Stone Shepard, <laughs> how much I love Ezekiel Elliott. Um, talked about how much I hate Matt Jones. Um, I didn't talk enough about how much I hate Jordan Matthews this year, but um, I think Mike did a good job for both of us. Um, no, I, I think we covered it pretty well, um, considering uh, just the topic lines of, of all four of those teams. Yeah, and really and truly, that's probably the majority of stuff. We obviously had the early week podcast. We covered, you know, Le'Veon Bell and uh, that situation. You know, there's not a not a huge amount has come out since. Any other news that has come out in the last two to three days that you uh, would like to talk about? Oh, well, so, yeah, I, I just remembered this. Um, so earlier today, we saw Ryan Matthews actually go oh, yeah. on, the PU, yep. on, the, on the PUP list. Uh, no, no, he was on the... Um, the, the non-football activity list. Yep. Uh, I think it's still the PUP list, but he had an ankle injury, and so begins the saga of the tumultuous uh, Eagles run situation <laughs> because I think they're going to run the ball a lot, which is what we saw the Chiefs do when Doug Peterson was there. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is, is they just have no real good depth. I mean, we're talking of Wendell Smallwood, but I think if he was on a decent team with decent depth, he probably wouldn't be talked about that much. It's just more so because of where he is on the depth chart because of how poor it is. I actually, I, I actually, um, I tweeted out earlier that I, I think that either no Sean Marino or Nile Davis is gonna <laughs> is gonna have more rushing yards this year than any other Eagles running back, and he's gonna be they're gonna be on the Eagles too. Um, and, and that's just because I, I like Ryan Matthews a lot. I do. I like his opportunity. There, he's behind actually a solid offensive line in a te- on a team that doesn't have a lot of passing options and is probably going to be run first. But again, like Jordan Reed, he's very, very injury prone. Yeah. And that's the problem. So I love him as a running back too, just given his opportunity, the volume he's going to get. But again, it's going to be health. So I, I don't know. But I, I, if I'm taking him as a running back three, uh, I'm feeling pretty darn good. Yeah, so definitely that's, agree. That's, that's that's probably all I would say more about the uh, the news in the NFC East. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Um, just you know, you mentioned as well the the PUP and you know the people on the inactive list. Jordy Nelson has been put on it. Uh, Mike Wallace with the Baltimore Ravens has been on it. You know Jamal Charles. So there's a couple of players. Uh, you obviously mentioned Matthews there as well, but you know if it's this first day of camp, second day of camp, I'm not too worried. It's if they're still on it this time uh, next week or two weeks time that uh, we'll start to get concerned about it. So uh, I'm not too worried about all that. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago as well. We're going to head up a few MFL tens for the podcast listeners. Um, hopefully, maybe do that at the end of this week, starting next week. So stay tuned to the Twitter feed at Overtime Ireland for that. If you're interested in it, get in touch. You can give us a tweet there, or obviously email us at overtimeireland at gmail.com. I think I'll give away one off the brand new OTI t-shirts this week as well as a, as a thank you to all the great listeners and all the followers on Twitter who so do that. And I mentioned at the start of the show as well, that code with NFL Euro Shop for 10% off all products on there. If you're looking to get authentic NFL gear, definitely go to their site and uh, you can't do better than 10% off uh, 
uh, with the discount code OTA10 at checkout. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. You can obviously follow Doug on Twitter at NFL, where you can find all his work on there. Any work, Doug, in particular coming out this week or has come out that you want to give a, a quick shout out to? Sure, sure, sure. So before I do that, I just want to mention we are teaming up with Fantrax this season. Uh, a very good up and coming uh, fantasy football, not just fantasy football, but fantasy sports in general uh i have worked exclusively or, or very closely with the uh the, the team over there or the ownership uh, great group over there really customizable leagues they're really putting their name on the map and uh, be sure to check that out we'll be tweeting out the links yeah. uh occasionally where you can go and actually save money on uh your leagues as you sign up for them and it helps us a little bit too as well because yeah, yeah you know we we do this for uh, the kindness of our hearts and out of the love of the game it never hurts to put a little green next to the red heart. So, um, but yeah, so, so <laughs> talking about some of my stuff. So this week, uh, I actually just wrote last night, this won't be coming out for a little while, but I wrote three bold predictions as part of a joint, uh, gridiron experts, uh, 32 team bold prediction site. I covered Travis Kelsey. I covered Martellus Bennett and I covered, uh, Martellus. Oh, oh, AJ green. So Martellus Bennett with the Patriots. I made the bold prediction for them. I made a bold prediction about Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs and also about A.J. Green and the Bengals. So those are my three. Keep a lookout for that in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to be writing an article probably tonight, actually. Anthony Davis is coming out of uh, uh, retirement. Yep. Is he going to be a good match for a team? Because I don't think he's going to be with the Patriots. Uh, not with the Patriots. I don't think he's with the 49ers. I think he will be uh, potentially with the Patriots. <laughs> I'm going to look at that a little bit further. Uh, and another, site, uh, another article I'm going to be talking about is um, – Making some bold predictions about the Patriots. I, as everybody knows, I write about the Patriots for a few different sites. I'm going to be talking about that a little bit um, and, and making some bold predictions that, that might even pertain to fantasy as well. So uh, I'll, I'll do a shameless plug there. I'm uh, probably going to be coming out with a mystery article for Inside the Pylon. That's fantasy football related. But uh, it's a busy week, and I may be going to training camp on Sunday for the Patriots. So it's a fun week for me. Um, so that, that's my shameless plug of everything that's going on in my life. Yeah, well, that, that's a pretty fascinating weekend you've got coming up. And, of course, if you follow him on Twitter, at NFL, you can get all the links to that content. And, of course, if he does head along to training camp, you can get some inside scoops, maybe get a little picture of uh, the grass there in, uh, in Foxborough and uh, follow Doug on Twitter. So with all that said and all that done, we'll be back next week. Uh, not quite sure who the guests will be yet, but we will line them up. Uh, probably a single show next week, but you never know. We might nail two out again if we... We get it all set up, and uh, until I'm back with Doug yet again, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.